Welcome back to The Julie Norman Show, a podcast on politics, ethics, and current affairs. So today we're going to be talking about middle school. And, you know, middle school is pretty tough for most people, even at the best of times. And during the coronavirus, being an adolescent and being in middle school can be really hard. You're cut off from friends, school, activities, and routines. Your young people are finding themselves spending way more time at home than they or even their families are used to. And for some families, this really isn't a huge deal. But for a lot of kids living in difficult situations or for those who just rely on school for you know, specific forms of support, this has been an especially tense time. So to discuss this more, I'm joined in this episode by Margaret Cashone, and she's a middle school guidance counselor in upstate New York at a really rural school. And we talk about how the COVID situation is affecting kids there, as well as other issues that teenagers and are facing just in their day to day life, even without Corona. And how counselors like Margaret are really trying to support kids as well as their families as best they can, but often in massively underfunded and under-resourced schools and districts. So it's impossible for me really to state how much I admire the work that Margaret and other counselors and teachers are doing all the time, but especially in times of crisis. So I really appreciate Margaret being here today, and I found our conversation really interesting and hope that you will too. Just a heads up, we do touch on some difficult topics in this episode, including suicide and self-harm that might be sensitive for some listeners. But without further ado, here is my conversation with Margaret Cashone. Margaret, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Um, So Margaret, I'll just start out by asking, how did you first decide to become a guidance counselor? I absolutely love this question. Um, So honestly, I didn't really know that I wanted to be a school counselor when I went away to college. So when I went away, I went to Keuka College for my undergraduate degree, and I really thought that I wanted to become, I, I really wanted to get into criminal justice. That was something I was really passionate about. And I was thinking that I wanted to be a parole officer, honestly. Really? Which, I didn't know that. Yeah, which anybody who knows me is like, what? Um, but I really wanted to help kids kind of before they got into the system. And through some of my internships, I was thinking to myself, you know, this isn't right for me. You know, I don't really want to be working with students once they're in the system. I want to be working with students before they get into the system. Sure. So, you know, and something else that I feel like a lot of people don't really know about me is that school didn't always come easy to me. Um, In high school, you know, I really struggled with, you know, just education as a whole. I was a horrible test taker. Um, I wasn't ever really fully motivated to really figure out what I was good at. And the other thing too is nobody in in my particular school really pushed me. Um, and I think that's really important because I think later on that that's a big reason why I became a counselor because I like being able to tell kids what they're really good at and what they could be really good at as a career option. <clears throat> so I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I went to college because, you know, that's what you do. And I was passionate about, um, you know, helping kids. I knew that. I knew I wanted to work with kids in some sort. But like I said, it wasn't until my first internship where I was like, oh, gosh, you know, this this is not what I want to do. So I really started kind of thinking about it. Um, 
you know, it was my summer and I was looking at an internship working in a guidance office at uh, my former alma mater, Bishop Ludden. And I kind of started thinking about what were some things that I was good at? And um, growing up, definitely talking a lot, you know, <laughs> and being friendly were definitely things that I was good at. But I was also, you know, really good at listening um, and a little bit too empathetic at times, for sure. Mm. But I, I kind of was thinking about it when one of my friends mentioned to me, you know, like, why haven't you ever thought about education? And I was thinking, you know, I never had a teacher that really stood out to me that was, you know, somebody that I looked up to or, you know, somebody that went out of their way for me in any way. So I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to do education. And I started thinking about my own time as, as a middle school student, which I always joke, nobody ever wants to go back to middle school. That's like the absolute worst time in everybody's life um, when hormones are changing and um, friendships can get a little bit difficult. But I started thinking about how when I was in um, eighth grade, I had lost one of my friends to suicide. Mm. Um, yeah. And that was really the first time I was ever really exposed to death in a way that really hit me hard. Um, so, and I'm going to, I'm going to share a little bit about that. So I was in eighth grade um, and this wasn't a particular, so his name was Zach and Zach wasn't a best friend by any means, but he was somebody that I lunch with. He was a year younger than I was, and he was a part of my friend group. And I had stayed after school one day. Um, I was getting extra help. I think it was with a science lab. Um, and I remember I had left the science lab. I had finished up my report, um, and my mom wasn't quite there to pick me up yet. So I was kind of standing by the vending machine. I had bought some chips. And I remember Zach had come over to me and he said, hey, you know, how's it going? And I was like, oh, good. How are you? And, you know, he's like, can I talk to you about something? And I at, at the time when he had said that, I remember seeing my friends in the gym because there was a basketball game going on. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you just hold on one second? And I went into the gym and I was talking to my friends. And I remember looking at my watch and being like, oh, my gosh, my mom's probably out there. She's going to kill me. I'm super late. So I, and I ran right out to my mom and, you know, got in the car and I never had talked to him. And the next day, we had all found out that Zach had taken his life the night before. And I remember as an eighth grader feeling a lot of guilt because I was like, gosh, you know, you know, was he going to tell me something? And I totally blew him off and, you know, and I didn't mean to, but, you know, something had come up and, you know, all of these like crazy feelings that I was feeling as such a young kid. And I, I had such a hard time processing it, you know, processing that guilt and, um, you know, just also just processing the fact that somebody, A, took their life, but also B, somebody that I knew, you know, somebody who I cared about, somebody who I saw every day. Um, and after that, things got pretty challenging for me because I didn't want to hang out with that group of friends anymore because they talked about him and, you know, talked about the situation. And I just felt awful every time it was brought up because it was like, well, he wanted to say something to me. And and I wasn't there. You know, I, I blew him off. I went and hung out with my friends. And this was a time before, you know, cell phones. Like, I didn't have a cell phone. I, mm -hmm. you know, you couldn't talk online. So it's, you know, I, 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 there was no way for me to reach out in that, in that type of way. So, um, and I remember, like, my grades really started to slip. And like I said, I was never a great student. But, you know, they started to slip a, a little bit more. And I just, I remember thinking, how is nobody noticing that I'm struggling with mm. this? 
And of course, as you know, an eighth grader, you don't want to talk to your parents about it. Like, obviously, you know, my parents were involved and they, you know, they knew something was wrong, but I think they didn't even really know how to talk to me about it, you know, Um, or even, you know, like I said, you're at an age where hormones are changing and um, personalities are changing. And I think they were like, oh, I don't know where to even begin with her on what's going on. You know, she's acting out a little bit here and there, you know, what, what is going on? Um, And I just remember thinking, I, I wish somebody had noticed, like, I, you know, somebody at school or anybody had said, you know, maybe, maybe she's struggling with it because at that time, um, you know, we had lost somebody in our school and there were counselors there to talk to the kids in their, in that particular class, but mm. they weren't really reaching out beyond that. And like I said, I wasn't in his class, so I wasn't a part of those conversations. And one of my favorite things to kind of ask people when they ask me what, what I do is I ask them, you know, do you remember ever talking to your school counselor? And I'm going to ask you that, Julie. Do you ever remember talking to your school counselor besides when it comes to, like, college applications or anything like that? Definitely not in middle school or high school. Like, maybe elementary school, but yeah. for... Yeah, by the time middle school, I can't, I have no idea who it was. High school, I can remember yeah. who it was, but I think it was like a one off to sign a form for a college application. So, yeah, it was, it was so limited. And, and I don't, I don't think any of us even knew like what they did or, you know, there was just, there was, there was kind of off the radar for most of us, honestly. Yeah. And that's usually what everybody always says is, I don't even know who my school counselor was. Um, and that's how I felt too. I didn't even know that I, like I could talk to them about these things. Um, and I think that mental health, especially at that time when I was in school, it just wasn't really something that anybody ever talked about. It wasn't really in our curriculum. You know, I had a health class, but we didn't really talk about mental health in that, in that type um, of way. And I remember taking an AP psych course, you know, my senior year. And I remember, you know, that's obviously when a lot of conversations came up about mental health. But up until that point, um, me as a little eighth grader, you know, I, I didn't know. And I felt like something was really wrong with me. And I just remember feeling like this, this guilt was really weighing heavily on me because, you know, I wasn't there. And it wasn't until later on in my life that I was really able to kind of process that. And I remember um, later on when I was in college, when my friend asked me that, you know, sh- you know what, what do you want to do? I remember hearing a quote that I had heard, which was um, the quote said, be the person you needed to be when you were that age. Hmm. And I remember being like, I want to be in the schools. Like I want to be there helping those kids. I want kids to understand, you know, that there's not anything wrong with them. Um, and you can have somebody to talk to. So that was a big reason why um, I started doing a little bit more um, career exploration. You know, I wasn't sure if I wanted to go into more clinical mental health, you know, working outside of the schools, um, maybe more in like a treatment program. But at the end of the day, you know, really, now I cannot even imagine being anywhere else than where I am. I am I'm 100% meant to be a school counselor. Oh, wow. That's a great thing to be able to say. You know, it it really is because I feel like, you know, even now I'm hearing a lot of um, my colleagues talk about, oh, I'm going to retire. I can't wait to retire. You know, we joke about that too, but I'm so lucky to have a job where I wake up every morning and I truly love what I do. Um, 
That's and, awesome, Margaret. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really looking for. Not that I'm not looking forward to retirement. Obviously, I want to travel and drink coffee and play with dogs all the time. But but I really do. I love what I do, and I'm really I'm really grateful that I have that. Well, I'll just say, I mean, I thank you for, for just sharing that that background too. I didn't know that that had happened when you were in in middle school yourself. And I guess just you know the quote that you shared about wanting kind of to be the kind of person that you needed at that time. Now that you're in that role, like, do you find that you're actually able to do that? Like, what what are you actually doing now in the day to day? And are you yeah. able to be there for the students in the way that you envisioned yourself being there? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So essentially, you know, for anybody who doesn't know, really the the details of being a school counselor is really just being an advocate for not only the students, but the faculty members, parents, and, and people in the community. You know, my job is really to bring in outside resources into the school to really help kids. And it's my job is to really kind of help parents and families find resources to help them through difficult times. Um, but also I do a lot of um, small group lessons with kids. So we have like after school clubs that we do that I'm responsible for. Like we have an anti-bullying club, an LGBTQ club. I also do an expressive arts therapy club after school. Um, but also we do guidance lessons. And I'm so incredibly grateful for family and consumer science teachers, computer teachers, because they let me push into their classrooms all the time to do a lot of these guidance lessons. Um, what some of those look like are really career exploration, um, kind of giving kids different alternatives than college. Um, we have like a BOCES program, so I introduce them to that. We do a lot on studying skills. You know, what's the best um, form for you to be studying? We do like little different quizzes that they get to do to find out what kind of a learner they are. Um, but I would definitely say the biggest part of my job is definitely individual counseling. Um, and what that looks like is usually if, you know, a, a parent could call me and say, hey, I've, I've noticed little Sally seems, you know, distraught or, you know, she seems to be having a hard time. She's not talking to me. Would you mind touching base with her? Um, so those are some calls that I get. Um, other times it's um, we have some special education students and 504 students. So they have counseling on their plan to kind of help with social skills. Um, so that's a big part of my job, too, is meeting with them either in small groups or individually um, to kind of help build friendship skills, social skills, things like that. Um, and then it's just kind of the everyday uh, traffic that of kids that make their way in. And honestly, I think that that's kind of my favorite part of the job is we always joke as counselors that you really can't plan for your day because you never know what could happen. Um, you know, especially in middle school, we have you know, kids that get into fights with one another. Um, you know, we might have somebody who just broke up with somebody and, and they need to talk about it or um, somebody who didn't do very well on a test and, you know, maybe they're upset and they're crying and a teacher needs me to pull them from their class. It, it could be a little bit of everything, honestly. Um, that is such is, a broad remit. Like, yeah. an amazing <laughs> amount of I know, just, I feel like I could just keep well going as, like, and going. <laughs> ways to like deal with things. It's just phenomenal that you are doing all of that all the time for, um, for I know a lot of young people in your school. I guess, well, I'll just, is there, is there one, is there one day from your work that really stands out to you and like something happened for better or for worse that was really notable or, um, you know, one student interaction that really stood out? Actually, yeah, I, I do have one. So, um, Sometimes, I, I, and I think 
I think the hardest part for me is that, so we, I, I come from a small school in um, upstate New York. So, you know, I have about 240 middle school students. I'm responsible for the sixth, seventh and eighth grade class. Um, and I'm the only middle school counselor. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, my kind of goal for myself is to make sure that, you know, every day I go in there, I, I try to connect with as many kids as I can. Um, and a big way that I really try to do that is, you know, being present in the hallways, you know, it, making some type of a connection with every kid in some type of a way, even if it's just like, hey, you got a haircut. I really like that. You know, something to let them know, oh, hey, that's Miss Cashone. Oh, well, who's Miss Cashone? Oh, she's our counselor. Oh, okay. So just in case they ever need me, they know me. You know what I mean? Like they, they have a, a face to the title almost. Mm -hmm. What I mean when I say that, though, about being the only counselor is that there are some days where I feel like I'm doing fast food counseling. <laughs> and what I mean when I say that is I feel like there's so many kids who either want to talk to me or need to talk to me that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get to everybody that sometimes I feel like I'm rushing. And I hate that because I need to remember to kind of slow down and be present with the student that I am because obviously they're there for a reason. Um, but unfortunately, there do come days where sometimes you walk out into our waiting room and it's almost like you're a doctor in an emergency room. You know, you're like, OK, this person has a broken leg and this person's having a heart attack. You know, who do I take first? Yeah, um, that's kind of how I feel sometimes leaving my office is, OK, well, this student's crying, but this person just punched somebody. And, you know, and it's me trying to figure out, OK, like it, and adding another piece to that. It's like, OK, but this kid's in English class, so they really need to get back. But this person's in health, you know, trying to um, fit everybody in during the day. Sure. So I, I had one of those days where it just seemed like everything that could go wrong was going wrong. Um, you know, we had had a huge fight with an eighth grader and a sixth grader. So, you know, I was doing a mediation with those kids, trying to call parents. Um, but I was also in the process of planning um, a career fair, which was coming up next week. So I had a couple people calling me, you know, just to confirm their spot for the career fair. And it just seemed like everything was hitting me at once. Um, and one girl had come in and I had never seen her before. Um, and I just, I remember she left and I just felt like, well, I, I just didn't make a good connection with her. You know, mm -hmm. I, I was busy and I just felt like I could have been more present. And, you know, we had scheduled a time to meet again, you know, later on in that week to, you know, kind of check in on the situation that she wanted to talk about to see, you know, um, you know, how she was in a couple days. And I just felt really bad about it. I was like, oh, I, I don't feel like I made a good connection with her. So you know, I went on with my day and I, I remember thinking to myself, I'll, I'll, I'm going to check in with her at lunch and just, you know, just say, hey, you know, just just kind of lay eyes on her. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, and I didn't get to there was because that was when the eighth grade fight had happened and I just wasn't able to connect. So I'm, I'm leaving at the end of the day and my secretary said, oh, you know, so and so dropped this off for you. And it was it was that girl and it was a note and it was just a note that had said, you know, thank you so much for listening to me. You know, no one's ever like talked to me this way before. And I just, I really appreciate you. And, you know, I was so nervous about coming here and I'm really excited to see you next time. And I know this sounds cheesy, but you know, you're doing a great job. And I, you know, it just, I like just cried. I was like, this is the sweetest thing in the whole world. And I felt so bad because I was like, gosh, I, I felt like I wasn't giving her enough. And she was just so grateful that, you know, she got the courage to go down there and talk to me and, and figure it out. And, um, 
and now she's honestly like one of my favorite students. I know we're not really supposed to say we have favorite students, but she she's definitely one of my favorites. Oh, that's awesome. And and great for her that to to write the note to you to let you know that. Like that I think as a middle school student that takes a lot of I don't know, maybe not courage is the right word, but it, it takes certain something to to write a note like that to a guidance counselor you just met for the first time and say that. So um, and so, I mean, you've mentioned so many things here already with, um, you know, mediation, uh, academic skills, all those things. Like, how are, what, like, what kind of training do you, like, have or need to be able to deal with all these different kinds of, um, of issues that come up in your day-to-day? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, essentially, to be a school counselor, you know, I, I did get my master's, um, but you also have to have clinical hours within your internship. So, I had to do a full year of 800 hours of, of actual one-on-one counseling with students, you know, with a supervisor. Um, so that was like a full year of working under another counselor and, and doing a lot with them and being supervised. Um, but honestly, Julie, you know, you learn a lot as you go, tr- truthfully. Um, and I'm, I'm really lucky because I work with two counselors. So so I'm the middle school counselor, but I'm lucky where we're all housed in the same building. So we're actually a six through 12 building. Okay. So we have one school psychologist um, for the for six through 12. Um, wow. And he's also titled as the ninth grade school counselor. Um, and then we have um, the high school counselor, too. So I am so lucky to be working so closely with them. I, I can't even tell you how many times I'm running over to them and I'm like, hey, I have this situation. Like, I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts and blah, blah, blah. And they're so great. And they're um you know, they're so encouraging all the time and, and, and helpful too. You know, they, they have no problem being like, Hey, next time, you know, try, try this out. I think this could work a little bit better. And I really appreciate that. Um, but also just having a lot of really great mentors within the building too, that are mm. outside the, the counseling profession, um, who, you know, can kind of say like, you know, Hey, we're noticing this, or, you know, I feel like our students need more studying skills. You know, what can you do to help us out with that? So, um, you know, I'm lucky that they feel comfortable enough to come and say that to me, but a lot of it is kind of me learning because, you know, those, those might've not been things that had come up during my internship. Sure. So, you know, doing a lot of reading, doing a lot of educating myself, um, and always continuing education too, to figure out what more I can, I can be doing, but and- it's, 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 it's tough though, for sure. Especially, you know, with, with social media changing constantly and trying to stay on top of that. It's, it's a lot for sure. Yeah, and I want to put a pin in social media because I want to ask how that um, has affected a lot of the students that you work with. But I, I did just to press a little bit more, I, I can see why having a team would be really crucial for the kind of work you do just to have that mentoring and bouncing things off and have that support. But how, I guess, like, what are your own coping mechanisms just for dealing with a lot of what I imagine is a lot of emotional stress, especially, you know, students who are dealing with depression, uh, thoughts of suicide, what have you. Um, and you had said something before that you were maybe too empathetic at times. And I remember even one of your tweets, you wrote something like empathy without boundaries is self-destruction. So I, I was wondering yeah. how you balance your very natural um, way of being empathetic without being kind of overburdened and, maybe even paralyzed by that? That, That's a really great question. Um, So honestly, it was obviously as a a first year educator a couple years ago, you know, I gave it 110%. And I remember a lot of people at my school telling me, hey, slow down, like, you don't need to save the world today. 
you know, it's all going to be here tomorrow, go home. Um, because there were days where I was up at, you know, school gets out at three o'clock and I'd be up there until like seven, just, you know, trying to get organized on case notes, making calls to parents, um, trying to plan out my next day. Um, and I was definitely getting burnt out for sure. Um, and actually it was the next year that I had decided a for myself to actually seek out counseling just to have kind of my own spot to process things and, and find some coping skills that worked out for me. And I remember too, it took me a while because there was almost like a little bit of embarrassment there. Like, Hey, you're a counselor. Why do you Mm. need a counselor? And I remember meeting up with my, my girlfriends who are also school counselors. And I remember saying like, Hey, I'm thinking about this. And they were like, Oh my God, I'm so glad you said that. I was thinking the same thing. Um, And I I think that's so important because I think, honestly, I personally think that everybody should try counseling at one point in their life because it's so nice to have a spot where you can go and just talk about whatever it is that's on your mind and have somebody, you know, be able to be there and just listening to you and giving you some coping skills that might work for you. Because I always joke, you know, a coping skill that works for you, Julie, might not work very well for me. And, and that's important because things that work well for me might not work well for my students and vice versa. But, you know, for, for me, it was really kind of just going and having time for myself, you know, Mm -hmm. having that hour for myself, because it it took me a while to figure out that if I'm not at a hundred percent, I can't be giving my kids a hundred percent. Sure. Well, and, and just so many of the things you've said, um, you know, finding time for yourself, being more open to counseling. I feel like, like, at least for me, the last several years, there's been a lot more openness around mental, like well-being or mental health or like, you know, taking care of that parts of ourselves in a much more open way than when I was in high school or middle school. And I think you mentioned this before too, that when you were in middle school, right, like teachers, counselors, parents, like no one, no one really talked that openly about anything like this. So have you seen that change and how is that, like, how has that changed for you and your work? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and I don't, I definitely don't think it was our our parents or teachers faults or of any means that they weren't talking about it. I just think, you know, it just, it wasn't something we really talked about, you know, we, and that's why I think it's so important to be talking about mental health the same way we talk about physical health. But yeah, you know, the nice thing, Julie, is that I've seen a lot of parents make a lot of growth over the years, especially with a lot of, you know, challenging situations, you know, um, I've had some students who, you know, over the years have um, come out as LGBTQ, who really felt like their parents were, you know, never going to be on board, never going to understand, and kind of working through that, slowly became comfortable opening up to their parents and giving their parents the chance to support them. And I think that's the hardest thing for kids is that, you know, with a lot of mental health, I think they're scared to let their parents down. They're scared to say, mm-hmm. hey, I'm struggling with this. And I think that's one thing I like to focus on, too, when I'm working with my students is, um, you know, we have to, you know, let, let's give them the chance to support you, but let's let's figure out what the best way to do that for you is. And, you know, there's, you know, I, I've met with students, they've asked me to be there when they, when they do talk to their parents about you know, struggling with like eating disorders or um, self-harm is, is I would say, definitely the top, top one for sure, mm. especially in middle school. And like I said, a couple LGBTQ things. So, you know, I think I think the conversations are definitely more there. I think that social media has 
um, helped a little bit in that sense. I think there's been some really great pop stars that have come out about their own mental health that these kids look up to. And I think that that's great because it makes them not feel so alone in the matter or feel weird or different because, you know, they have somebody that they can relate to. So I think in, in one way, social media has been really good for kids in that sense. Yeah. Um, and I imagine it has a flip side too, though, with some of the pressures and stresses that it that oh, it yeah. constantly brings as well. You are listening to The Julie Norman Show. I think, I mean, so much of what you've spoken about has been having conversations with students, you're having these small groups, having your guest speakers, all these things that are taking place obviously in person as they normally would. So right. what what is happening now and like how are students how have they been dealing with the quarantine how are you able to interact or not interact with them during this time what what is what has this year been like for you and for middle school students that you work with so back in march is kind of when we had decided to shut down and at that time the conversation was we're going to shut down for two weeks um and then we'll, we'll probably be back um, and of course, we know that, that that did not end up happening. Um, so what ended up happening is that, at that after that two weeks, you know, we were expected, every educator was expected to make a Google Classroom so we could connect with kids. Um, on my end specifically, you know, I had to make sure that I was still keeping counseling appointments with my students. So of course, with that being online, we had to make sure that every student in the district was getting a Chromebook for A, academic purposes, but also be the social emotional piece too, so that I could connect with them if, if we needed to. So we had taken a week where we got all of our students Chromebooks, and then we kind of figured out who needed hotspots. So for a mm-hmm. good week there, um, I was on the phone with Spectrum for a couple families trying to help connect them to get um, internet set up and try to figure out who needed hotspots um, and then communicating with our principal to get um, those resources to the families. So that was like a good week. But then it was time to obviously connect with the students. So I think that the toughest part is that there's definitely students that I see on a regular basis who are 100% committed to the counseling program. Um, And they were great. The, The difficult thing, obviously, is that some of these kids are home. So, you know, if we're online talking, there's also their brothers and sisters running right. in the background. Kids are like, hey, do you want to see my cat? And they're, you know, <laughs> running around showing me their bedroom. Um, but on a more serious level, there were some kids who wanted to talk about things that were going on at home, but they couldn't because sure. they were home. Um, so for a lot of those kids, you know, we had kind of come up with a game plan of, you know, if I say something you don't feel comfortable talking about, just like scratch your head and, and then we'll, we'll chat in the box. And that was kind of, that's what I did for a lot of my students. But the other thing too is, um, you know, I, I remember this one teacher had reached out to me at, at a meeting and had said that, you know, this one particular student that I saw was only submitting work at like one thirty in the morning, two o'clock in the morning. And, um, you know, asking for help, uh, of course. So, you know, she's like, I'm just really worried. Like, why is she submitting these things so late? And I was talking to the student and she had said, you know, Miss Cashone, like I am babysitting my, my younger siblings during the day. It's so loud in my house. The only time I have quiet time is at night when everybody's sleeping. And that's when I try to do all my work. 
And it's like, wow, you know, that puts so much into perspective for you of like, you know, of course that that's the case, you know, so it, it's kind of helping to communicate that to teachers of, you know, the situations that kids are in right now too. But I think that the toughest part is, um, you know, like I said, I was able to keep almost all appointments with kids, you know, anybody that I was seeing, I could continue to see virtually. But one of the best parts about my job, like I said, is a lot of the foot traffic. It's, you know, me saying, you know, hi to somebody in the cafeteria. And then they're like, oh, hey, can I like talk to you later about something? And you're like, yeah, sure. So there's a lot of kids that I, I couldn't see. Yeah. Um, and then there were a lot of kids whose parents, you know, necessarily didn't know that they were kind of checking in. It's not that anything was wrong, but, you know, they just kind of wanted to check in and say, hey, you know, I got a 75 on this math test. You know, what can I do to like bump it up? What are you thinking? And you know, and those were the kids that I essentially kind of worried about because sometimes they just needed to vent and get some things off their chest and didn't feel like they could do that at home. And, you know, for whatever reason, and that's okay. But I worried about some of those kids who would just kind of pop in and say, Hey, but you knew they were popping in for more than just. Right. Of course. And moving ahead then you said your school will have the option for students to come back for like a hybrid kind of yes. um, start to the school year then? Yeah. So now that we're getting ready to go back, um, we kind of have a couple different programs. So the first is that any family can decide to go fully online. Um, so we just mailed out schedules. So essentially what it would look like for a student who's going online is they would get their schedule in the mail um, and they would be expected to log in um, and watch the teacher virtually teach. Okay. Um, and they would get all of the, you know, any paper assignment that a teacher's handing out would be online for the kids to open up and view. If they have questions for the teacher, they can ask virtually. Um, so all of those, you know, connections are still there. So that's one option of going fully online. Um, the second thing that we're doing is that we've broken kids up into two different groups. We call them the blue team and the red team. And we figured out those groupings based on our bus routes because we have mm. we were thinking about last names. We have so many families with kids who have last names and um, their siblings or their family members. We just decided to do bus routes. OK, so, for example, um, group one is going to come to schools on Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, and then they're going to go online Thursday and Friday Okay, because the blue team group two comes in on Thursday and Friday. So essentially we're alternating every Wednesday. Okay. So, so, but when kids are online, they're still expected to follow their, their schedule. They're still expected to log in. The teacher's going to be, you know, video recording themselves, um, on Google hangout. Like we did, like we used back in March and April and May to teach. So they're still going to be expected to log on. Attendance is still going to be taken. Okay. So that's, um, that's one option. And then for our special education and 504 students, they um, were offering for them to come full five days a week okay. to kind of help provide them the services that they need and the support that they need to help them be successful. And so your your interaction with students then will also be, I guess, a mix of, of in-person and hybrid and, and online moving forward. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's tough to, you know, and like I said, I've said it before, I'm, I'm so lucky to work in a, in a district that's so accommodating. Um, but I think for counselors, it's so tough because we don't have, you know, we don't work in an outside agency where Sally's coming in at nine o'clock to meet with me. You know, I'm really kind of going, if a kid requests to see me or a parent requests that I check in with their child, you know, I'm trying to find time in their day to do that. Um, 
and, you know, obviously we kind of want to stay away from core classes, you know, the English, math, social studies, and science. Right. But it's also tough to take away from electives because for a lot of kids, you know, that's their favorite part of their day. Sure. Um, you know, going back to myself, you know, I wasn't a very strong student. And if somebody took me out of my art class, I, I would be upset because that was my favorite class of the day. Yeah. Um, so it's tough. You know, you don't want to keep using um, using those electives either. So it's it's tough to kind of be organizing all of this, but then to add, okay, well, Sally's only here on Mondays and Tuesdays and, you know, right. and figuring out um, some of my small groups, we call them lunch bunches, you know, kind of reevaluating who's going to be in which group um, based on which grouping that they're in and which day that they're coming to school. So, you know, yeah, it's definitely going to be a little bit of a challenge at first, <laughs> but I know we'll rise to the occasion and we'll figure it out. Yeah, everyone just have to, I guess. But um. Well, we've spoken a bit about like the kind of the COVID situation, but I was also wondering how your students or your school have been approaching Black Lives Matter and a lot of the recent protests for racial equality or for criminal justice reform. And what kind of, I guess, how is that playing out for your students and what has your role been in that? Yeah, that's an awesome, awesome question. Um, so like I had mentioned earlier, we're a very small, high needs rural school in upstate New York. We have about like 900 plus kids, um, like I said, about 240 in the middle school and 97% of our population are white students with more than 55% being students and families that are considered economically disadvantaged. Mm -hmm. So I bring that up because we do not have a lot of diversity in our building. And I think that with everything going on with COVID right now, I think that a lot of the Black Lives Matter movements have kind of been pushed to the side a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but one thing that I definitely want to say is that I think a lot as educators, we talk a lot about BLM without actually talking about it. And what I mean when I say that is, is that, you know, a lot of that's already built into our curriculum, especially in social studies classes and English classes where, you know, our students are reading To Kill a Mockingbird, Huckleberry Finn and Anne Frank. You know, that's when a lot of these conversations come up within the classroom, mm -hmm. um, which is really important. And I, I was actually just um, texting with a group of my friends who, you know, we all work at the same building. And I had asked them, I said, you know, what are your thoughts about this? You know, we've been so hyper-focused on COVID. You know, we, I don't want to see this get brushed to the side. And one of my very good friends who I view, well, two of my very, very good friends who I view as mentors, um, one is actually um, a reading teacher in our school, and the other one is a U.S. history teacher. Um, they both run our student government program. And they were talking a lot about how for this upcoming year, really having the conversations of um, Black Lives Matter um, coming from the students. Mm -hmm. Because unfortunately they're uncomfortable conversations to have, especially with adults sometimes. Yeah. And nobody wants to rock the boat, you know, especially in such a small community where everybody knows everybody. Um, I, I think people feel uncomfortable talking about, about it. And that's why I think it's so important to be having these conversations with the kids. And I, and I love the fact that my friend had brought up the idea of getting student government involved because they do so much already 
within the community. They just this past year, right before COVID had happened, we had raised a bunch of money to be donated um, to our local police department and fire department and EMT department. Mm. Um, so we so we do a lot. And, um, and he was talking a lot about having the students start these conversa- conversations and figure out what we can do to help better the world and our small community, because it's important, especially, especially for a small community that I work for, to start having these conversations. And um, my boyfriend, actually, I'm going to quote him on this. He brought up a really good point. He had said, you know, it's not so much about teaching things like Black Lives Matter, but it's about exposing it to them. Mm. You know, he's like, as educators, it's our job to expose students to alternative ways of thinking and kind of guide them to, you know, different pathways. So it's hard. It it is hard. And, you know, and I think that the best thing that we can do, like I said, is just keep exposing students to what's going on in the world right now and why people feel the way that they do and just keep encouraging them to educate themselves and, and grow and just be a little bit, be a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And, and even though your student body is not racially diverse, I imagine just the demographic that you have still, you know, confronts a lot of just social justice issues that also, you know, overlap with Black Lives Matter in a lot of ways um, and extend even beyond race. So I, to me, it, it would be some really interesting conversations that might come out from the students themselves this year around that. But um, but I guess I, I would just ask, is there anything for you on which your thinking has changed? Like you, you've spoken about trying to work with the students a bit more and, and challenge some of their their biases or misconceptions and just, just on anything, not necessarily related to, um, uh, to that topic, but just something on which your, your thinking has changed over time. Yeah. I, I think that sometimes we get so stuck in our everyday lives and our everyday routines that we forget of the, the privileges that we do have. And I think that's been the biggest thing for me is kind of checking in with myself and recognizing the advantages that I have and biases that were taught to me without me 100% realizing it. And I think kind of checking in with that and educating myself so that I can be a little bit better. I I think that's been the biggest thing for me of just trying to get involved, you know, Mm -hmm. and I just, I can't say more about how you just, you just get so stuck sometimes in your own routine that you forget that things are going on out in the world. And, you know, and and I guess sometimes it can be a little disheartening too, because you think, well, you know, I, I can donate to this cause or, you know, I can, I can march, I can do this, I can do that. But I know for me, a big, a big question is, but what more can I do? What more can I do? And I think it kind of goes back to, you can't change the world overnight. So, you know, that's why I'm kind of looking at this next generation of kids to, to think, okay, what can I do right now as an educator in the building to just, you know, encourage these conversations? And I think that's been the biggest thing for me is just to keep trying to educate myself and, you know, and kind of pushing myself outside of um, my own comfort zone, too. Because like I said, these are uncomfortable conversations to have, but they're important conversations that that need to be had. So um, I guess I'm kind of challenging myself to ask questions um, and educate myself more a little bit every day. Yeah, and I'll just, I mean, you talked about trying to help the world outside, but honestly, all the work that you are doing within your school and for that community is just so, um, just so incredible that it's, 
you know, I, I think there's so many different ways to be impacting change on so many different levels. And, and what you're doing there is just really phenomenal. So and I, I, mean, I could keep talking with you for a long time, but <laughs> is there anything that we just haven't touched on that you really wanted to, or just anything else that you wanted to say? Well, I really appreciate you saying that. It, it means a lot to me. Gosh, I don't know. You know, I, I think the biggest thing I would just maybe want to say too a little bit of is that, you know, with everything going on, um, you know, with COVID and schools opening and things like that, you know, I think just for everybody to kind of keep in mind that we're all dealing with our own, you know, individual challenges and struggles, um, you know, as teachers, but also as parents. And, you know, no matter what role you play in that conversation, whether you are the parent um, or the teacher or principal or whomever, I think I just want to say, you know, just be patient with yourself. You know, we all want the same thing. We all want everybody to be safe and healthy and we want things to go back to normal. And I think in every state, you know, in every district, you know, there's going to be people that are unhappy with certain situations. So just, just be patient with yourself and, you know, be open to dialogue and just know that one way or another, we're going to get through it. So I think that's just kind of what I wanted to maybe just end on. That's a very good point to end on. Um, and I'll just ask the last question. We just sometimes ask if people have a book recommendation or movie or show or just anything that you've seen or watched that had some kind of impact on you that you might recommend to others. Yeah. So um, actually, I just got done reading um, one of Oprah's book club recommendations, uh, The Other Half by Brittany Bennett. Absolutely recommended. It was a wonderful, wonderful book. I also finally got around to reading Where the Crawdads Sing, Hmm. which was excellent. And I actually just heard that they're thinking about making that um, into a movie, which I'm really excited about. But yeah, those are the two kind of books I'm reading, right? Or I just finished reading actually this week. Well, honestly, it's been just great having you on the show today. Thank you for your time, but just also all the great work that you are doing, that other guidance counselors are doing, that I know your boyfriend is doing in his school, just educators, guidance counselors right now, just hats off to all of you. Well, thank you so much, Julie, and thank you for all that you're doing too. This is really, it's been an awesome opportunity and I really appreciated it. Thanks once again to Margaret Cashone and to all the counselors, teachers, and educators out there. You've been listening to The Julie Norman Show. Original music for the podcast is by Kevin McLeod. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, give us a rating, tell your friends about it. And if you have any questions or comments, you can always DM me on Twitter at DrJulieNorman2. Thanks again for listening. Stay well, and please join us next time.